You're listening to the Matheson Employment Law Podcast, presented by Brian Dunn, Head of Matheson Employment Practice. This is a regular podcast series for HR practitioners, employment lawyers, and in-house counsel, focusing on the legal issues relevant to all companies with employees in Ireland. Hello and welcome. Today, I want to look at a recent decision of the Irish High Court, a decision of Judge Eager from the 7th of May last. The reason I've chosen this particular case is because it's caused quite a stir amongst employment lawyers and HR directors in recent weeks. And that's because this decision has found that employees are entitled as a matter of constitutional law to cross-examine witnesses and to have legal representation at the preliminary investigation stage of a disciplinary process. Now, there have been some cases in recent years which danced around both of these issues, but they all concentrated on the actual formal disciplinary hearing stage, the last stage in the process before an appeal. So it's quite interesting and far-reaching for this decision to hold the same, but at the preliminary investigation stage. As of today's date, the case has not as yet been appealed, but that doesn't mean it won't be appealed. So we'll be taking a look at this case shortly and what it means for you as employers, and more importantly, how you can deal with it in the meantime if it does remain good law. But before we get to any of that, let's have a look at what else has been happening in the employment law world. There are two particular developments I want to discuss with you today. The first is something we've already looked at in an earlier podcast this year, and that's the proposed legislation to abolish the use of mandatory retirement ages in Irish employment law practice. In fact, there are two separate proposed pieces of legislation currently working their way through the parliamentary process. And the only update I have for you in this regard is that they are still working their way through and are nowhere near conclusion. At this point, so close to the summer recess, it does seem quite unlikely that the legislation will be even in draft form before the end of the summer. The most significant point here, however, is that the government is still very much behind the proposal. So it does seem in the very near future, mandatory retirement ages will become a thing of the past. The second development I want to discuss, and this one is even more significant, is that the eagerly awaited decision of the Supreme Court in the case of Ruffley and Board of Management of St Anne's School has now been handed down sometime late last month. Some of you may remember this saga. It went back to the original High Court case in 2014. And at that time, the original High Court case attracted a lot of attention, firstly because the employee was awarded just over a quarter of a million euro in damages for personal injuries as a result of bullying and harassment in the manner in which her employer had followed a disciplinary procedure against her. But secondly, from an employment lawyer's perspective, it was a landmark case because it had significantly lowered the bar or threshold which employees had to meet to bring home a claim of bullying and harassment against their employer. The case was appealed by the employer in turn to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal found in the employer's favour. It concluded that even though the process clearly was defective and had not been run correctly, that it didn't meet the statutory definition of bullying and harassment, and on that basis the employee had lost her case. The employee in turn appealed the Court of Appeal's decision to the Supreme Court, and late last month the Supreme Court found again in the employer's favour in almost all fronts. I won't go into the detail of the case because we could cover a full podcast on that alone. And if you are interested in the detail and what it means for you as employers, my employment partner, Niall Pelly, has prepared a very useful guidance note on it. And I'll include a link to his note in the podcast today. But to give you an idea of some of the key points that have come out of the Supreme Court decision. Firstly, the Supreme Court made it quite clear 
that just because an employee is the victim of a defective disciplinary process, it doesn't automatically follow that the employee has been bullied and harassed. Similarly, if the employee has been through a defective disciplinary procedure, it doesn't mean that the employee should be entitled to damages for personal injuries as a result of bullying and harassment. A second point to come from the decision is the way the court dealt with the requirement that alleged bullying be something that undermines dignity at work. The court, in explaining what was envisaged by this part of the definition, explained that it's the type of conduct that is, to use the judge's own words, outrageous, unacceptable and exceeding all bounds tolerated by decent society. So you can see from just how high the court has set the bar that it is very much a pro-employer decision and has very much moved the dial away from where the high court had set the standard at a much lower level in 2014. Thirdly, and again very much a pro-employer point, the court emphasised and reiterated the importance of striking the right balance in the case law in this area. The Supreme Court said that it was crucial that the case law recognise the balance between protecting employees from bullying in the workplace, but at the same time protecting the employer's commercial and legitimate prerogative to performance manage employees and discipline employees in the workplace where it is reasonably required and done in an appropriate manner. The court fully respects and recognises the right of employers to do so and in fact went on to say that the case law should not be something that discourages employers from exercising their right to do so. If it's a case that interests you, you should have a look at Niles' note. It's very helpful in this regard. You're listening to the Matheson Employment Law Podcast, presented by Brian Dunn, Head of Matheson Employment Practice. The main case I want to look at today is the case of Lyons and Longford Westmead Education and Training Board. The facts of this case aren't particularly complex, so let me quickly run through them. The case is much more about the two legal principles involved, the right to cross-examine and the right to legal representation at the preliminary investigation stage. Mr Lyons was a teacher in the defendant's school and had worked there for a number of years. In May 2015, a bullying complaint was made against him by a colleague, a Miss Spence. Miss Spence's manager was aware, actually, that there had been ongoing issues between her and Mr Lyons dating back to 2008. But interestingly, it was not until May 2015 when the formal complaint was put to Mr Lyons that he was aware that Miss Spence had issues with him. In accordance with quite a detailed protocol and procedure which the employer had in place, the employer then initiated a preliminary investigation into these allegations. As part of that, they retained an external HR consultancy called Graphite HRM to undertake the investigation. That was May 2015, and almost 11 months later, on the 4th of April 2016, Graphite concluded their investigation report, which reached a number of factual findings. In particular, they found against Mr Lyons on four of the allegations that had been raised by Ms Spence. On the 20th of April, Mr Lyons' manager wrote to him to advise him that the employer had decided to accept the outcome of the report and that if Mr Lyons wished, he could exercise a right of appeal against this decision. Mr Lyons did, and on the 30th of August, his employer wrote to him again to advise that his appeal had been unsuccessful. In the same correspondence, he was advised that he was now being asked to attend a disciplinary hearing at which the question of what, if any, disciplinary sanction should be imposed upon him arising out of the now substantiated allegations of bullying. It was at this point that Mr Lyons then initiated legal action against his employer, which came in the form of an application before the High Court to restrain the disciplinary process. Mr Lyons' case before the High Court was as follows. 
It centred very much on the fact that he had not been given the opportunity to cross-examine the witnesses that fed into the report in the preliminary investigation. He argued that as an established principle of fair procedures law, where it is clear an employee may be dismissed or is liable to be dismissed arising out of particular allegations, that the full range of fair procedures should apply. Building on this, Mr Lyons argued that because it was clear from the outset that the investigation report was going to reach factual conclusions and would be a fact-finding report, which in turn the decision-maker at the disciplinary hearing would decide whether or not to adopt, that he should have been given the opportunity to cross-examine those witnesses who were going to, in effect, feed into the report. Following that rationale, he argued, therefore, that he should have been given the opportunity to cross-examine the witnesses at the preliminary investigation stage. In effect, it would be too late if he was allowed to cross-examine them at the formal disciplinary hearing stage because the factual conclusions would already have been reached in the report. The argument itself is, to say the least, novel, and it probably is born out of necessity more than anything else because in most High Court challenges to a disciplinary process, the disciplinary hearing, the formal stage, has already happened. In this case, however, the challenge was at a much earlier stage. So all that Mr Lyons' lawyers had to look at or could poke around at was the preliminary investigation. Interestingly, on the issue of legal representation at the preliminary investigation stage, at least as the case is reported, it doesn't appear that his counsel made much of a song and dance about this point. If anything, it looks like the judge took up the baton on this particular point. The employer's case was much more straightforward. It argued that it was self-evident from the report that Mr Lyons had been given the full benefit of fair procedures throughout the preliminary investigation stage. The employer also argued that Mr Lyons had never been denied the right to cross-examine witnesses at the preliminary investigation stage. And that probably was true, however it's a matter of semantics. Mr Lyons was never denied the opportunity to cross-examine the witnesses at this stage because he never actually asked for it. And I think it's fair to assume that if he had asked for it, that the right would have been denied. And that's not a criticism of the employer in any way. It's simply a reflection of what has been HR practice up to this case. In 99% of cases, any employer that was asked by an employee for the right to cross-examine witnesses at any stage of a disciplinary process would have denied the employee the right to do so. It's just not a feature we see developing in internal investigations amongst Irish employers. More generally, the employer also argued that there is a large body of case law before both the High Court and the Supreme Court, all of which has held that when it comes to an internal investigation or inquiry, that an employer should not be held to the same degree of rigour or due process as a court of law. And on that basis, there will always be some degree of flexibility or indulgence for an employer compared to a court of law. So on that basis, it is excessive or expecting too much of an employer to require the employer to allow an employee the right to cross-examine witnesses, particularly at the preliminary investigation stage. The court, therefore, had quite a simple decision on its hands. Did it accept Mr Lyons' more novel argument that an employee should be allowed the right to cross-examine witnesses and to have legal representation at the preliminary investigation stage, or did it accept the admittedly more conservative position which is based on a large body of high and Supreme Court case law to the effect that an employee should not be allowed such rights at the preliminary investigation stage. As we know, the court decided for Mr Lyons. And in explaining its decision, the court made the point that the right of an employee to cross-examine witnesses is a vital safeguard to protect him or herself in fair procedures, especially where dismissal is an issue. 
In support of this point, the court referred to a decision of the then Chief Justice Keane from the Supreme Court, and this was a decision relating to an inquiry against the doctor by a fitness to practice committee. And in that case, the court held as follows. It is beyond argument that where a tribunal such as the first respondent is inquiring into an allegation of conduct, which reflects on a person's good name or reputation, basic fairness of procedure requires that he or she should be allowed to cross-examine by counsel his accuser or accusers. The court also referred to two other Supreme Court decisions which identified the right to cross-examination as one of the few great weapons available to an employee to protect themselves or to vindicate themselves against what the court referred to as falsehoods and calculated perjury. The same case law identified certain minimum standards which an employee that is facing what they refer to as damning allegations should be allowed. And those minimum protections included the right to cross-examine through counsel his or her accuser and likewise the right to address through counsel the decision-maker. On this basis and applying these principles to the facts of this particular case, the court ruled that Mr Lyons should have been allowed both of these rights at the preliminary investigation stage and that to allow it at a later stage would effectively be too late. To explain its thinking on this point, the court said as follows. It is clear that as a matter of law and as a matter of fair procedures, an individual whose job is at stake and against whom allegations are made would be entitled to challenge and cross-examine evidence. The court finds that the investigation carried out by Graphite Recruitment HRM, which was the agency engaged to undertake the investigation, failed to adopt fair procedures. No doubt many of you are already thinking, this is the way preliminary investigations have always been run, and it has never been an issue before. And to preempt this point, the judgment also says as follows. It is noted by the court that this is the process adopted by many companies when dealing with complaints against employees. It is quite clear that the exclusion of solicitors and counsel and the refusal to allow cross-examination under such policies is a breach of the constitutional right to fair procedures. And on that basis, Mr Lyons was granted the order to prevent the disciplinary hearing going any further. The question for us now, of course, is what does this mean for you as representatives of large employers in Ireland? There is no doubt that this decision is quite a significant and fundamental development in the area of fair procedures, particularly at the preliminary investigation stage. It introduces two new rights which employees never previously would have exercised up until this point. In practical terms, there is no doubt that this decision is going to introduce significant delay, complexity, controversy and legal expense to the running of even the most straightforward disciplinary processes. It also raises some practical questions for employers and difficulties, such as can an employer actually compel a witness or a colleague to attend a disciplinary investigation and to allow the accused to cross-examine them? I imagine that most employees will be very reluctant to do so, and I'm not aware of any case law which holds that an employer can actually compel or even discipline an employee for refusing to make him or herself available as a witness. I do wonder if the judge would have reached the same conclusion if the Graphite report had simply been a fact-gathering exercise. And by that I mean an exercise in gathering the witnesses' statements and putting the evidence together, then to be decided upon by the disciplinary chair as to whether or not Mr Lyons was guilty of the actual allegations. Instead, the Graphite report went one step further. It reached factual conclusions and decided for itself whether or not Mr Lyons was guilty of the allegations. You may recall from some of the earlier cases we've looked at that the High Court is becoming increasingly aware of the difference between fact conclusions and fact gathering exercises. And I think it might have made the difference in this case. The employer effectively made it much harder for itself to defend this point. 
in effect, I think the employer actually set itself up for a fall by requiring Graphite to reach factual conclusions at the preliminary investigation stage. If it had separated it out, this case might have gone quite differently. This is one of the few cases where I'm afraid I can't give you any positive whatsoever. To the extent that I can give you any comfort, I would say as follows. It is generally accepted amongst employment lawyers that this case is an outlier. It's not seen as being in keeping with the majority of case law in this area. As of today, the case hasn't as yet been appealed, but that doesn't mean that the employer will not yet appeal it, and we'll keep you updated on any developments. Likewise, we'll be watching whether the next case to consider these points endorses this decision or simply distinguishes it on the facts and leaves it aside as a forgotten anomaly in time. When it comes to interpreting case law and looking at precedent, it's not as simple as the most recent case is the most correct. Every case has to be judged on its own facts and considered in the context of the broad body of law. So it'll be very interesting to see how this case is regarded over the next two to three years. From talking to clients, it does seem a lot of employers are taking a wait and see approach to this decision. I'm not aware of any employers that are immediately conceding both of these rights into preliminary investigations. Instead, what employers are doing is waiting to see whether or not this case will be appealed or whether or not the next decision to consider this point is going to endorse it or set it aside. Because no employer wants to concede these points now and then at a later stage realise the case has been overturned because, of course, it would be much harder to row back from it at that stage. In the meantime and for now, I think we do have to accept, however, that this decision means the following. There will be an increased number of employees looking to exercise these rights in disciplinary investigations. Likewise, there is going to be an increased risk of an injunction from an employer that refuses to allow an employee to exercise the right to cross-examine witnesses or the right to legal representation at the preliminary investigation stage. Likewise, it makes it even harder for an employer to refuse these rights at the formal disciplinary hearing stage, where there is no doubt that the full range of fair procedures applies. But on a more practical level, the most obvious fact is that this decision is going to add significant additional delay, complexity and controversy, as well as legal expense, to running disciplinary procedures. Thanks for listening to the Matheson Employment Law Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email brian, that's B-R-Y-A-N, dot done at matheson.com. This podcast contains general information about Irish law. It is not intended to provide legal advice on any particular matter and is for general information purposes only. You should not act or refrain from acting on the basis of any material contained in this podcast without seeking the appropriate legal or other professional advice. Tune in next time for another Matheson Employment Law podcast. For further information, visit matheson.com.